Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Monday, which starts probably, not probably, the most important week in the history of college football. And I'm going to try my best this morning to break it all down and bring you up to speed with what has happened over the weekend. It's been a fast-moving news cycle starting on Saturday with one Division I conference's cancellation of the season to now as I sit at about 9 o'clock on a Monday morning uh, where there are multiple reports now that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are going to also cancel their season. This is the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. Really glad that you are with me, even though the times are um, hard to explain to people. I mean, that, that's the, the the thing I'm struggling with the most is where to begin. How do you describe what's going on right now in college sports and the implications of it? So I'm going to try my best to break it all down, tell you what it means for Ole Miss, where the SEC stands as of, again, 9 o'clock on this Monday morning, and just try my best to contextualize this for you. So thank you again for tuning in, even though the weekend's news has been miserable and today's podcast is not going to be a very fun listen when it comes to the reality of the situation going on right now. It's not over just yet, but it's the fourth quarter and and we're down by a few scores and Tom Brady is not our quarterback and Kyle Shanahan is not calling plays uh, for our opponent. So um, anyway, podcast is brought to you as always by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue in Oxford. College football uh, may be on its last leg. LBs is not though. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you. Get one of their daily lunch specials as the week goes on. Going to be some rainy weather, so maybe not the best week to be behind the grill. So let uh, Greg and the people at LBs do the cooking for you. Uh, go by and see them. Uh, get one of their lunch specials. And hey, it's not just meats. They've got a great selection of fish as well. Best place in Mississippi to buy your meat. LBs in Oxford, just across from Kroger on University. And let's get started. So I'm going to try to do this in as chronological of an order as I possibly can. I mean, there's so much news and so much to consume and so much to talk about that it's hard to um, figure out what happened first. But really, this started Saturday. It started Saturday with the Max decision uh, to end their season. That's kind of how this kicked off. And the biggest question, of course, was how does this impact uh, impact others? Is this just the first domino to fall and other conferences are going to fall behind? And I said on the Sunday show yesterday, and I still believe it to be true, the MAC did not cancel their season. We need to stop pretending like this is the case. The MAC did not cancel their season because of the virus. Like, directly because of it. Let, let me explain deeper before you guys throw something at me. Um... There are obviously hurdles that they are having a hard time figuring out how to jump over in all of college football. The NFL is even having a hard time, in some cases, figuring out what exactly to do with their season. Now, they're going to play, and the NFL, by the way, is just licking their chops at uh, the idea of having a full weekend of football. They're going to move games to Saturday 
their ratings are going to go through the roof, but that's a conversation maybe for later on in the week. Um, the Mac canceled their season because they don't have the financial resources to make it happen. That's why. They, in the press conferences and stuff, they talked about, oh, well, it's just not safe. We don't know enough about the virus, and those things are very, very true. But if their buy games are still going to be intact, they were going to keep trying to play the season. That's my opinion. Maybe it's dead wrong, but that's what I think. I think it's all, all of it, everything that's going on here is money-driven on top of, of course, there are concerns with coronavirus and, and football players being on campus and outbreaks and stuff like that. That's a given. Of course, that is there. But this is money-driven. Everything in college sports is money-driven or agenda-driven. And in the Max case, to me, that was a decision where they kind of realized that the financial viability of them putting on a season was not worth it. If their buy games were still intact across the board, I think they would still be trying. But since those were taken away, and because the virus and the the uh, questions that come with that and the uncertainty, uh, they made the decision because of that. I think it was a financial decision. And I do not think that the max decision will impact the SEC. Because people around here, that's the, the conclusion they came to, right? Was, uh, well, what does this mean for the SEC? It just means that that they're going to be next. Well, maybe so, because that did happen back in March, but... As Greg Sankey said in a radio interview on Saturday, that they made that decision to end their conference basketball tournament in baseball season independently of everybody else. Now, they all came to the same conclusion, and maybe that's going to happen here. But they are going to make this decision as well independently. The MAC is not influencing the Southeastern Conference in any way, shape, or form at all. It's not happening. So, MAC cancels their season First domino to fall led to a lot of speculation, and of course, some of it is now coming true, uh, about what this means for other conferences and are they next. The reporting came out after that about the rest of the Power Five. Uh, apparently, they had some kind of a meeting. I have I've dropped my pen and I can't find it. Um, all right, there it is. Here we go. Um, there was a, a some kind of meeting, some kind of call with the commissioners of the Power Five conferences and the reporting came out that the Big Ten wanted to be done. That, that The thing that came out of this meeting was uh, college football is on its final leg. Uh, the Big Ten is going to be next in canceling their season. They want to do it. The Pac-12 would likely follow, and they are just trying to recruit the other leagues to make a unanimous decision. Um, that, at least as far as I know right now, uh, that decision will not be unanimous. Whenever the Big Ten decides, if they do decide, but it certainly sounds like that's where it's headed. Dan Patrick this morning is reporting that he's been told that 12 of the 14 Big Ten uh, presidents have voted in favor of canceling the season. So it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, and the Pac-12 reportedly is going to uh, follow shortly thereafter. I do not think at this point is... A unanimous decision. The The entire Power Five is not there yet. John Talty of AL.com reported last night that the SEC simply is not there right now. Uh, the big, He said, with the Big Ten inching closer to canceling a fall season and others like the Pac-12 expected to join, the SEC is holding firm and not moving in the same direction. Again, that may be inevitably uh, what they decide to do, uh, but as of right now, um, that is not the case. Things could absolutely change, but as of right now, uh, that is not uh, the case. 
it's odd because they have the financial resources to do it. The MAC doesn't have the financial resources to, to provide oversight and testing the way the Big Ten does. They don't have the financial resources uh, to do that. So that's why I think there's something more at play. And a lot of people, a lot of really smart people that cover the sport have alluded to this uh, during this reporting over the weekend, that it's not just tied uh, to the virus. And I said earlier, it's a, I think it's a financial decision. Um, and it's the, in the same way it's a financial decision for the MAC, it's one for the Big Ten. There's something more at play. Because to do what's necessary... To put a college football season on, um, the concept of amateurism would be all but dead. I have seen so many people that would know uh, suggest that the reason the Big Ten would end the season and the reason that other Power Five conferences would end the season is not uh, because of the virus. It's players organizing the shift in changing amateurism in college sports. They are worried about the framework of college football being altered. Now, in some cases, I mean, the virus is enough to to alter a lot of things and maybe end the season. So I, I probably mischaracterized my thought a little bit earlier. No, I, I think, of course, in any cancellation, including the max, the virus is a reason why. But you've seen other leagues play through it, like Major League Baseball. Uh, They've had a couple of outbreaks on the same team. They're still playing. It's worked out. PGA Tour had some outbreaks. They're still playing. Major League Soccer had some outbreaks. They're playing. The bubble's working. The NBA bubble's working. The NFL is going to play. Uh, They have testing protocols and stuff. The difference is they're professionals. There's there's the, the difference is that all these other leagues are putting it on because their players are are professionals. They're paid. They are not considered amateurs. And the college athletic departments do not want to, at least in some cases, apparently. I saw a video earlier of Wake Forest president uh, meeting with his team at practice. And, and they engaged in a back and forth. And the players were like, hey, we're comfortable. We want to play. We're proud of it. Our team's holding ourselves accountable. We're good here. This is good. We want to play. And the president's like, hey, I'm proud of you. I want you to play too. The uh, head coach at Arkansas, and I don't know how much uh, say a head coach has, but he's now openly, we want to play. But that's a president of Wake Forest that is encouraging this. So not all of them are in the boat of, well, if we play, it ends the concept of amateurism and the college football model is sunk. But that is really contributing to this here. They're afraid of unionization, They're, which, as we've learned, uh, college football players actually cannot create a union. There, there's legal issues. So they would have an organized group, but it technically could not be a labor union, uh, for whatever that's worth to you. So when we talk about Trevor Lawrence and that movement later, keep in mind, they can organize as a group. And even have influence and decisions, but they can't be a full-on union. Uh, that's been challenged by Northwestern, and there, there's legal things that would block uh, the creation of a union. But that's driving this. I have seen enough people suggest that, yes, the, the virus is a concern. Of course it is. But the reason that there's reluctance to play through it in major college athletics, as opposed to to the way the NFL and others are going about it, 
is because they are professionals and college football and colleges don't want amateurism to go away. And so they're willing to to sacrifice one season to preserve their model instead of saving their season and altering their model. So the virus is obviously something that they're concerned about. The spreading of that virus on campus is something that they're concerned about. We've seen a handful of college football players come out and say they were the unfortunate few uh, at their age group that was really impacted by this thing. And there was a Clemson player that has to opt out of the season because the, the virus kicked his butt so bad. He's not healthy, unfortunately, but uh, he'll get to preserve his eligibility, I hope. He should be able to, and he has to opt out of the season. Uh, LSU player, same thing. There's an Indiana offensive lineman that that really dealt with it, that it, it, it infected them far worse than most people their age. So it's a real thing. I undersold it a little bit. I didn't mean to. Um, it's a real thing, and it's a real thing that they're worried about. But they could navigate through this, but doing so, pushing forward and playing would admit that college football players aren't like regular students. That college football players have value that extends beyond their scholarship in some cases. That a lot of people depend on them for financial purposes. And apparently, and it makes sense, schools are not willing to do that. So they would rather punt the season to preserve their model than play their season and tell the world what we already know. And and it's that college football players are the revenue driving force of the school. That's a huge factor here. You cannot convince me otherwise. It's a massive factor here is that they don't want to disrupt the model of college sports. And that's why they're ending the season or trying to. After that, uh, the players started speaking out. Um, We want to play is the hashtag. It, It went viral. It was trending uh, pretty significantly uh, across the board. And a lot of people, it, it, this is what the players are having to do uh, because nobody's listening to them. Hashtag we want to play is their way to let everybody know that they do, in fact, they, they want to, that you've seen some opt-outs. You've seen some people that have expressed their concerns. You've seen a hell of a lot more say they want to play and nobody was asking them and they want their voices to be heard. So hashtag we want to play was trending all around college football. Uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, the two biggest names in the sport right now, but everywhere, including Ole Miss, multiple Ole Miss players that I saw on social media, probably more that I didn't see. Hashtag we want to play. Matt Corral said, if they can opt out, we should be allowed to opt in. It's, It's a growing movement, and it was the number one trending thing in the United States yesterday for a time. Hashtag we want to play. And then they gave what some people are calling a list of demands. And that's not what this is. That's not what this is at all. A lot of players are are tweeting this graphic that was designed, I think, by a college football player. Um, It's got the ACC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the SEC, and the Big 12 at the top. It says, hashtag, we are united, hashtag, we want to play. And here's what the letter says. We all want to play football this season. Establish universal mandated health and safety procedures and protocols to protect college athletes against COVID-19 among all conferences throughout the NCAA. Give players the opportunity to opt out and respect their decision. 
guarantee eligibility whether a player chooses to play the season or not. Use voices to establish open communication and trust between players and officials, ultimately creating a college football players association, representative of the players of all five power conferences. Legally, like I said, they can't create a union, but they certainly can organize. And there's nothing wrong with organization among college athletes. No, there's. I, I don't see one downside to letting them organize. Do you? Uh, they can't create a union, so that would make them employees. And in, in I, like I said a few weeks ago when talking about the Pac-12 players, they don't want to go down that road and become employees. But they can organize. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's a. It's a major. Money maker. It's a major college sport. I don't see anything wrong with them joining together and having a unified voice in getting things that they think that they deserve. There's nothing wrong with that. The NFL has a union. The the Major League Baseball has a union. Everybody in sports has some kind of group that can speak on their behalf. College football players don't have that. I don't see anything wrong with that at all. But the reaction like from from sports writers and stuff sports media people last night on social media was so bizarre to me uh, when it came to this it's all of these things can be true at once it's amazing how you're painted in some kind of a box when you said that the Pac-12 players had an unreasonable section in their list of demands therefore you're painted in this box that you can't support the players having a voice at all that's absurd but that that was the reaction last night was people were just like, ha, 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 screw you. Look, you're so dumb. The players want a union and you don't like that. Like, wait, what? It's the typical It's the typical people that do stuff like that, of course. I mean, all of these things, again, all these things can be true at once. The Pac-12 players had ridiculous demands in their list of demands, some of which were completely unattainable by their schools or even their conference. There were, there were things in their list of demands that were non-starters that were completely unreasonable. There were also some things in their list of demands, like I said on this podcast, that were good and that should happen. The Big Ten players also had a list of demands, all of which were extremely reasonable, and it was a very good, well-thought-out list of demands. The hashtag WeWantToPlay movement and their statement that they released is very good. We owe it to the players to try. I think at this point, because we all want their voices to be heard, I do too. Even if I say some of their demands are ridiculous, because some of the Pac-12 players' demands were unattainable and non-starters and ridiculous, doesn't mean that you want them to not have a voice in the decision-making process when it comes to them. Both of those things can be true at the same time. But you have these people that are just so much smarter than you, these sports writers that are just these pseudo-intellectual, just they're so smart, go on Twitter to basically say that you can't do that. Both of those things can be true. We owe it to the players to try. I have seen a handful, one of which was from Kylan Hill, uh, but a running back from Miami and others, uh, college football players say that they want the season because they, they need it. Miami players said there's nothing at home for him. Um, they've worked too hard on this. If they are adults, because they are, 
if they should have a voice like everybody's encouraged them having. And a lot of good has come from that. I don't know how much Kylan Hill had an impact on the legislation to change the state flag. In fact, I don't think it was much at all. Um, but athletes speaking out in a lot of cases has done some good. At Iowa, it got a strength and conditioning coach that didn't need to be there, uh, got him fired. In other places, it's making appropriate changes that, that need to be done, that, that is holding leaders accountable to rules that they are not enforcing. It's a lot of good coming out of this athlete empowerment movement, and most importantly, I think they should be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness, and it's going to happen, and they should be able to call for that and ask for that, and I think it's right. I think they should be allowed to organize if they want to. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion, and you may disagree. I don't think there's anything wrong with them organizing at all. We owe it to them to try. They've worked too hard on this. They've been put through too much, and if it's just bureaucratic BS that's keeping them from playing then that's shameful. They understand the risks. They, they're smart enough to get it. They understand the risks. If they want to play, we should do everything we can to let them play. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones that sacrifice the most. They're the ones that should decide whether or not they get to play. They are not regular students. That can also be true at the same time. They are not regular students. We need to stop pretending like they are. They should be allowed to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. They should be treated differently because they are the money makers. And in a lot of cases, in most cases, they are treated differently. That's why they get their scholarships and everything paid for, the cost of attendance check and food whenever they want it. They get special treatment. They should be treated differently. They should be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And also, again, because apparently it is something that needs to be repeated often, uh, the scholarship has value. I, I cannot... <laughs> I cannot believe that people still pretend like they are starting at zero. They're not. Uh, there is some kind of compensation for them playing. Maybe you think it needs to be more. I think, again, I just said they need to be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. But we have got to stop pretending like there is no value in getting a scholarship. They all And all of those things can be true at once. It's just so funny. Like I see Reddit College Football right now tweeting two screenshots from Danny Cannell, who is absolutely not my favorite guy in media. I think he's kind of a clown, but using this as some kind of gotcha moment. So Danny Cannell quote, uh, quote tweeted Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields said, there's been too much work put in, hashtag we want to play. Danny said, why don't these voices matter? He also said, do me a favor. Every time you read an article opining on the Northwestern Union vote, see how many mention the $250,000 value of a Northwestern degree. And Reddit College Football said, receipts with the laughing emoji. Um, both of those things can be true at once. Why, why is there some kind of line drawn in the sand of uh, the players should have voices and also their scholarship is valuable? Why is that where you have to draw the line of true and not true? They can be, they can be true at the same time. All of the, again, I will say it again, all these are true at the same time. The Pac-12 players had unreasonable, ridiculous demands. They also had some good things that need to be met. The Big Ten players had a very good, very reasonable list of demands. The we-want-to-play movement and the desire to organize is fine and good, and they should be allowed to do it. We owe it to the players to try to play if they're asking for it because their voice does matter, and it should be heard. They are not regular students and should not be treated as such, and also the scholarship has value. 
all of those things can be true at the same time. But in the day of social media, there's just no nuance anymore. You cannot have discussions because somebody just draws a line in the sand and says, no, because you thought the Pac-12 players had unreasonable demands, therefore you think any player speaking out is bad. Where, where does that come from? The culture that we've created around difficult situations is, is absolutely embarrassing. It's embarrassing today. It just the the sensational sensationalizing of situations and like picking a side and either it's all right or it's all wrong and there's no room at all for for nuanced layered discussion and reason it's absurd all of this is just so absurd but it's just an indicator of of the culture today because i said that Pac-12 players and their demands were unreasonable. Therefore, I cannot support the players and their voices today. Why not? You guys listen to the podcast. You remember what I said. Some of these things that the Pac-12 players are asking for are good. Some of them, though, decrease the value of a scholarship, and that's that's wrong, too. You can share those thoughts. They're not mutually exclusive, but in today's era, apparently they are. So here are a few things also on top of that. So we had the MAC canceling their season, reporting coming out that the Big Ten and Pac-12 were on their way, reporting coming out that the SEC is not quite there yet, the hashtag we want to play movement, and then the subsequent asking for them to be allowed to organize if they want to play. A few things I noticed yesterday, uh, some things that I I liked that I saw, and that were 100% true. Uh, We'll start with Trevor Lawrence. He tweeted three things yesterday. He was tweeting a bunch yesterday. Um, Obviously, the kid has a great head on his shoulders. Is very, very bright. Uh, Same thing with Justin Fields and a a lot of guys that have spoken out about this. But Trevor Lawrence especially uh, has kind of taken charge uh, on this deal, or at least in public anyway. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Here's what Trevor Lawrence said yesterday, and he is absolutely 100% right. And he's a student athlete. He's in he's in it right now, and you had people say that they don't agree with uh, with what he's saying. He's in it right now. He is a student athlete, and people are like, no, that's not true. I don't agree with that. He's in it. He knows more than anybody. So here's what he said. People are just as much, if not more, at risk if we don't play. Players will all be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contract COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them and their future and having to go back to that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes players being safe and taking all of the right precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season and teammate safety is on the line. Without a season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take the proper precautions. Uh, Molly McGrath, uh, who I think she's still with ESPN, right? Yeah, she's. Uh, you see her on the sidelines during college football games at ESPN. She quoted that and said, just spoke with my dad, who's a research scientist and a doctor studying COVID. He believes that student-athletes could be safer if they remain with their teams because they'll be closely monitored and have more motivation to isolate and avoid social situations. Also, uh, Nicole Auerbach uh, said on Twitter, uh, she's with The Athletic, I don't know why, why that narrative took hold, talking about players having to go home. 
I don't think anyone is expecting all campuses to close down the way they did in March. And I agree. If they don't have a football season, the campuses are still going to be open at least for some amount of time, and the players are just going to exist as students. But everything Trevor Lawrence said still applies. So it's it's not safe for these football players to play a season where they are under strict protocols, testing multiple times per week, and have a collective incentive to not be in compromising situations. They have a reason to not go to parties. They have a reason to social distance. They have a reason to protect themselves. But sending them into the regular student body with a bunch of kids that are not going to follow those principles is any safer? So they won't be tested two times a week anymore. They won't have any incentive to not go to parties on Friday night. They won't have any incentive to not socially distance because they don't have a season. They don't have people to protect. They, they don't have any incentive to do anything. They will just be regular students and without oversight. And so that is safer than them playing a football season. I have not seen a single good counter to that argument at all. It's, oh, well, Trevor Lawrence is wrong because they wouldn't just send him home. Yeah, they'd send him in their regular student population. What do you think college students are going to do? You think they're just all going to social distance? 19-year-old is just going to be like, you know what, man? You know, I, I know there's that party going on on Friday night, but here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm not going to go because I don't want to get COVID. Like, no, they're not going to do that. I've not seen one single legitimate counter to why it is safer to have these kids in the regular student body in town without oversight than it would be to play football with all the oversight and testing and protocols and incentive to do the right thing. I've not seen one good counter argument to that. What Trevor Lawrence said is true. The football season would protect them because they would do the right thing. Without a football season, there's no incentive to do the right thing anymore. They're going to be mixed with the regular students. They're going to go party on Friday night. They're going to do stupid things especially when there's no reason to not do them. Trevor Lawrence is exactly right. 100% right. So what happens next, I don't know. Goes back to what I said at the very beginning of this. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe what's going on. I do think that the SEC is going to try to do whatever it takes to play. I think they're more willing um, to to take the amateurism situation on. I think the SEC understands that name, image, and likeness rights are coming, and so why not embrace it more so than apparently other leagues? I think they are prepared for that. It certainly feels like they are prepared for that. And like I mentioned, Wake Forest, I mean, clearly they're prepared for that as well. Not everybody is trying to preserve uh, the model. Maybe this is the catalyst for some leagues breaking away from the NCAA. I mean, finally just acknowledging that football players are not regular students. They're they're the moneymakers, and so we're going to treat them differently, and and we're going to give them more stuff because they give us a lot of stuff, and and that'll save it. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I think they're going to try. They owe it to the kids to try. I think... The, the people at Ole Miss, I know, are prepared for what's going to happen when name, image, and likeness rights are, are implemented. I think they are not opposed to them. I think they are, they're curious as to what it's going to look like, and in some cases maybe worried. Uh, they, of course they are, uh, but I do, 
I do truly believe that the people at Old Miss, because I'd know they're the most, are prepared for what college football will look like after players are allowed to be compensated outside of their scholarship. I think they're prepared for that, and they know that that's coming. And so they'd be more willing to embrace what the implications of playing this season are. And I think everybody around the SEC is that way. And I think Greg Sankey understands what would happen to his... It's not just about football. And this underscores why athletes, in my opinion, should be allowed to to benefit in the free market because entire economies are dependent on their season happening. If somehow the season gets canceled, Oxford will never look the same. Never is a strong word. It will be a very long time before Oxford looks the same. Businesses will close. Bars, restaurants, shops, hotels will close. The non-revenue sports at Ole Miss will get cut. Some of them, they'll have to. Um, University personnel will lose their jobs. People in town, local people, will lose their jobs. The economy in Oxford and the surrounding areas will tank. Um, Media people will lose their jobs. It would be devastating for everyone involved in and around Oxford. And most of the SEC's towns. Nashville will survive without Vanderbilt, but Knoxville will get hit hard, really hard. Gainesville... Even Columbia, South Carolina, capital city, would get hurt bad. This would be devastating. Scholarships cut, jobs lost, businesses closed. Opportunities for young people taken away. And knowing all of that, I think that's why the SEC is going to try. I think that's also why they've not been super opposed to name, image, and likeness. I think they know it's coming, and and they're going to embrace it because entire economies depend on on these seasons happening. It would be catastrophic to not have football for Ole Miss and for Oxford. Catastrophic. That's just real. Uh, That's real. I mean, idiots like Dan Walken will tell you that the impact won't be that bad. Uh, He's a complete fool. It would be devastating. Completely devastating if it doesn't happen. So that's why I think they're going to try. Maybe by the end of this recording, things will change. Maybe by the time you're listening to it, everything um, has shut it down. Cole Kublik right now tweets, college football isn't dead for fall of 2020. He said there's too much to type. Of course there is, Cole. So he sends you a link to listen to his radio show. Go figure. (laughs) That's a hell of a tease, though. That's a professional tease right there, but nobody's more clued in than Cole Kublik. So if he says it's not dead yet, that means it's not dead yet. So we'll see. Just something to to keep an eye on. Uh, This really does suck, guys. Um, There's no other way to put it. According to Matt Hayes, a Power 5 athletic director texted him and said it's looking more like it's the Big Ten and Pac-12 versus the ACC, SEC, and Big 12. Well, I'll tell you who wins that battle. Uh, That's for sure. So, I don't know, guys. I said this on the Sunday show yesterday. Uh, Something that I care deeply about in this job. I've been told I take it too seriously, and that's okay. That means at least I'd rather be on this side than the other. 
Um, when it comes to podcasting and radio, there's a lot of different styles, as you've probably figured out. There's the Feinbaum style, and he's made a lot of money doing it, so, you know, good on him. But it feels kind of lazy to me, where it's just like, take phone calls and let idiots scream at you for a few hours a day. I mean, there's that kind of radio. I think it's garbage. Uh, I don't consume it. I think most uh, smart people, and you're like your target demographic for advertisers is not listening to that stuff. But there's that way to do it. There's some people uh, that will just show up and just turn on a microphone and just kind of talk, you know, not really have uh, well thought out things that they'll just kind of shoot the shit and just go back and forth. And some guys are more talented than others, and some people can do that. I can't do that. Um, Maybe I'm not talented enough, but also it's uncomfortable to me. And I think the listener can hear that, that you can tell when somebody's not prepared. I did a podcast a few weeks ago that I wasn't prepared for. I went back and listened to it, and I thought it was awful. It was the day I hurt my foot. Um, I was just in pain, and I didn't prep, and so it wasn't good. I didn't have uh, well-thought-out arguments in that podcast. Uh, You can tell, and I think the listener can tell. So some people try to get away with just showing up and turning the mics on and just talking, and I I think that's bad, too. There are others that... um, think that what you should do in radio is just do whatever you can to stroke the flames and get a reaction. Um, I was told once by somebody in the industry that the best radio is when the host just tries to, quote, stir shit up. And it doesn't matter if it's a bad opinion or one that you don't believe in, as long as you're getting some kind of reaction, even if it's everybody telling you you're an idiot, at least you're getting engagement. I think that's garbage, too. I'm never going to share an opinion with you that I don't actually believe. Um You can have strong opinions in this business, and that's good. It's encouraged, but you shouldn't manufacture them. That's crap, too. What I tried to do is do what Rich Eisen does. Uh, I I respect him in the business. I think doing... Some of you are going to laugh at this. Doing smart radio for smart listeners is kind of where I want to be. That's, That's where I want my home to be, is taking time. And preparing thoughts and having good, well-thought-out, smart arguments and catering to smart people. I think that's the best way to where you know I'm being honest and you'll consume it and hold on to it for longer and trust my opinion and respect it even if you disagree with it. I think that's the money. That's where I've always wanted to be. And so going into the show yesterday, I tried to have thought-out, reasoned um smart opinions and the only thing I could come back to was this just sucks (laughs) this sucks there's nothing more or smarter that I can say to you other than that I mean everything's up in the air everything sucks and I tried to deliver at least some thoughts to you today but that's what I keep coming back to is man I don't know and I don't like it (laughs) I don't know what's going on here it's uncomfortable it sucks It, it is really going to hurt one way or the other. It's uh, really going to hurt. So hopefully people, at least in SEC country, will figure it out. Hopefully they will. That's um, that's all we can do now, I guess, is, uh, is hope. So anyway, all right, guys, uh, I'm going to hang it up today. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in and making the podcast a part of your day. I really, really appreciate you. Don't forget to go by LB's and see Greg and tell him we sent you. Uh, get one of their daily lunch specials, guys. You won't regret it. It'll be the best lunch you have all week. Uh, follow me on Twitter again at Michael Borky. Thank you. 
for uh, listening and subscribing as well. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and uh, leave a review as well. So uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Um, stick with me, even through the shadows of uncertainty, and uh, maybe we'll get through this thing. So that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.